Just like every Mothma has its mom Just like Orson Krannick sings a sad, sad song Every rogue has its Star Wars fans and Moof Milkers everywhere, welcome to episode number 152 of Blast Points. This is Jason. This is Gabe. And later, we're going to be going into the Rogue One two-year anniversary, the Rogue 100. We've got 100 reasons, 100 things in Rogue One that are awesome. And we're going to get through all 100 of them. But first... Mandalorian casting is still out of control. No disintegration. As you wish. And now, Boba Fett, Star Wars villain with his laser rifle. All of this because of one helmeted bounty hunter. Yeah, we got lucky. It seems like everyone's uh, guesses and early scoops and things are panning out. Now we got official confirmation from the official site about how crazy the Mandalorian already is. And we haven't even seen anything other than a still frame of someone who's probably not Pedro Pascal in the suit. Maybe we don't even know at this point. Finally, we did learn that Pedro Pascal is playing the title role of the Mandalorian as if there was any doubt, but it's just good to know. Good to have it official. And Gina Carano is in the cast as long with Giancarlo Esposito, Emily Swallow, Carl Weathers. Our prayers were answered. Dreams really do come true. Omid Abtahi, Warner Herzog. So let's let's stop right there. <laughs> Werner Herzog is going to be in The Mandalorian. How did this happen? Well, he lives in L.A., doesn't he? <laughs> right? I think it's just if people live in L.A., they call them up and it's like, oh, I don't have to drive very far to work. I'll be in the show. Sure. So last week we were talking about the possibility of a Nick Nolte Hot Toys. Now I'm thinking 
does this mean we're going to get a Werner Herzog Black Series figure? We we might. <laughs> I'd say the chances are good. Three and a quarter Werner Herzog. Five points of articulation Werner Herzog. <laughs> Maybe his mouth opens and closes. Very much like Nick Nolte. I wonder how the conversation began to get Werner Herzog. What it, what did that look like? Are we going to get a, a Blu-ray documentary featurette with, where they're talking to, to Werner Herzog? The man, he comes to me. He is the, the Iron Man's friend from the movie. I don't know who he is. They say, do you want to be in Spaceman show? I say, okay. <laughs> I go... And the space, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I am. There's another man in the cowboy hat. <laughs> well, or he's going to play like a CG frogman or something, which would be just as wonderful. I mean, yeah, I guess that is a possibility that they could just be using his voice, which could kind of make sense. But, you know, you got Werner Herzog on the set. You got to have his face in there a little bit. Well, what's interesting, I was noticing too, uh, looking through this, is this is an, a much older cast so it's interesting to see what that means to the story if if all these people are actually playing themselves and not rubber aliens or cg creatures that a lot of old people (laughs) a lot of weathered rough older actors unique faces and unique personalities yeah and it's like we were saying last week with nick nolte like this is set would they say six years after jedi yeah something like that you've got people that were Alive during the original trilogy and during the Clone Wars. So very, very interesting who this Carl Weathers, Nick Nolte, Werner Herzog kind of group of people are going to be. They're going to be playing some people who've seen some some wild stuff in their life. I, don't, I think we're about a couple of weeks away from the announcement of a CG Klaus Kinski showing up. It could happen. Any, anything's possible at this point. There's my friend Klaus. I, I haven't seen him in so long. They, they tell me he's not real. I don't know. I don't know. Do you think our first look at the Mandalorian, do you think it'll be at Celebration? Yeah, I would think so. Because I, I think it's probably safe to assume the live action shows will be similar to the way that animated stuff was revealed. Maybe there'll be a full episode at Celebration. You know, it's TV time frame so maybe they would have whole episodes done maybe the first episode would be done by celebration i mean i would be happy with just a trailer but knowing that sneaky day filoni give everybody easy but do the whole thing yeah he'll show a trailer a whole episode he'll have nick nolte come out and shoot basketball hoops Have nick nolte like swinging from a rope from the ceiling out into the audience. <laughs> yeah. Nick, Nick Nolte's going to c- conduct the L.A. Symphony Orchestra music from 48 Hours. I mean, there's going to be a Mandalorian panel at Celebration. It's probably a given that Pedro Pascal will show up. But is like Werner Herzog and Nick Nolte and Carl Weathers going to show up at Celebration? Yeah, probably. Digital Klaus Kinski going to show up? <laughs> I'll be there. The only other thing I'm thinking with all this is you don't get actors like this. For just anything. Nick Nolte, Werner Herzog, like these are people that are selective with what they do nowadays. And usually they only do the wild stuff. I mean, what was the last time we saw Werner Herzog doing an acting role? Was it was it Jack Reacher? <laughs> he only makes the good stuff. He he knows when something's hot. Yeah. But it just makes me wonder, like, these Mandalorian scripts, like, how awesome are they gonna be? 
Yeah. Well, it probably helps to having John Favreau running the show too, because I'm sure he's been around a long time. He's probably friends with everybody and they're filming in LA. So I'm sure he's just calling people up and like, Hey, you want to be in a star Wars thing? And they're like, sure. And it's a TV show. So they can come and they don't have to fly to London. And maybe it's like with the directors, maybe they'll be able to get a lot of these interesting actors and actresses because it's kind of, it's a less, it's less of a commitment. It, it just kind of dawned on me that it it is going to be new, incredible star Wars, but we will be watching it at home so you literally can fill a bucket with ice and have it at standby if you need to dump it over your head. Or if you do want to watch it in the bathtub filled with ice just to keep your body cool, you, you, you really could. You can get your iPad and you can universal soldier it up in the, in the tub. Pour chocolate milk on yourself while you watch it in the bucket of ice. Yeah, if you want to watch it upside down, you can. <laughs> Why not? It's it's a dream come true. It's the first Star Wars thing you can watch for the first time, really with no shoes on, and you'll be okay in case your your feet start to sweat. Set it on your roof outside your window and just watch watch it through the glass. Whatever, whatever you need to do to stay safe. <laughs> Completely naked with a cold towel wrapped around your head. <laughs> You can be, like, completely naked with, I don't know, ice cream. Whatever you need to do. It will it might be in the winter, so you can just get naked, open all your windows. I guess if you're in the West Coast, it's not that cold. But if you're, uh, if you're by us, you can, get, you can keep, get a good chill on and make, make it through the whole thing without sweating. Yeah, it's going to be unprecedented excitement. State your name for the record. Jin Erso. Forgery of imperial documents. Possession of stolen property. Aggravated assault. Resisting arrest. On your own from the age of 15. Reckless, aggressive and undisciplined. This is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. We have a mission for you. A major weapons test is imminent. We need to know what it is and how to destroy it. Is that clear? Yes, sir. to tell a story that is magical and epic, but from the point of view of a normal person, um, and how how you, like, you don't need to be superhuman to, to, to affect the world for the better. Like, the idea that only Jedi can do anything good or significant in the world is, I think, the wrong lesson of Star Wars. I think 
what Star Wars is about is that it doesn't matter where your background is from, no matter who you are, you can make a difference. Well, I cannot believe that Rogue One was celebrating its two-year anniversary right now. It, it hasn't hit the terrible twos. It's not running around and trying to put things in its mouth and yelling at you and not going to sleep. Th- throwing food at your face, throwing macaroni and cheese yeah. at you while you sleep. It's actually a, uh, a well-behaved little child at this point. You know, the thing with Rogue One, going back and watching this, getting ready for the Rogue 100, it holds up. So well. Not that any Star Wars movie doesn't, but Rogue One is like a fine wine. It's getting better with age. Where you know, Rogue One has been aging in the in the wine cellar now, a, a vintage Rogue One now for two years. Notes of fruit and fresh cut grass. <laughs> <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I want to know what cheese to pair. With Rogue One for the ultimate palate experience. Yeah. You could say that Rogue One has become a new Star Wars classic. It, it, it's hard to gauge like the new Disney era of films, like what will be looked upon, you know, the way we look at the original trilogy and the prequels or, you know, someone that was younger saw the prequels then or how ge- the generation that grew up with the Clone Wars looks at that, you know, as like that's their Star Wars. There will be the people that Rogue One is their Star Wars one day, and I think that'll even get even more so with the the Cassian Andor show. Well, it's kind of fun to go back and watch it too because it brings up kind of the memories of wow, this is the first of this new Star Wars standalone thing that now two years later may be done. We don't know. Like there may this may be the only this and Solo may end up being the only kind of standalone stories they make which will make it even more kind of special and and interesting in the future. I would love to see the, some of the standalone movies or the yeah, some of the ideas for the standalone just go straight to Disney Plus. I mean, I love Solo like crazy, like literally like crazy, but would I've been okay watching Solo for the first time at home as like an exclusive Disney Plus movie? I think I would. Yeah. Well, in a movie like Solo, I mean, we've said this a million times too a movie like solo that's so packed full of stuff just think if solo was a 10 episode series how much awesome it would have been we would have got two episodes just on corellia so rogue one may become you know a special thing this experiment that was a success but didn't get replicated i don't know Well, let's start digging in with the at least 100 reasons why Rogue One is incredible. The Rogue 100. We're going to go through this as fast as we can. We don't know where this thing's going. What's going to happen? Gabe, how do you begin the Rogue 100? With the first awesome thing you see is the first awesome thing you see. The opening chord. You see a planet and right off the bat, starting with the good stuff. So I'm going to go number two. The fact that there is no crawl freaked people out then, still freaks people out now for some reason, but letting you know right away that this is something different and something awesome. My number three is still at the beginning, the Star Destroyer fake out, which I didn't even catch until like the third or fourth time watching it, that the camera pans over to the rings around the planet and it looks like a Star Destroyer coming into the frame like in A New Hope, but then it quickly turns and you realize it's 
not a Star Destroyer. It's rings and there's, oh, it's tiny little Krennic shuttle. Mm, yeah, I didn't even think about that either. Next time you watch it, it's there. Number four in this whole opening, Michael Guacamole's score is absolutely killing it. The whole thing with Krennic Shuttle going past the planet when Krennic Shuttle lands on the planet. Guacamole is killing it. He's smacking you in the face right away with some Star Wars jams. I still, to this day, I if I you say the word Rogue, Rogue One, I start singing. It's been running in my head all week. It's running in my head non-stop. It's like a leaky faucet, and you can't stop it. You just got to destroy it. All right, number five, I have, I can't remember the name of the planet, but the planet that the Erso family is on at the beginning of the movie. The planet, it's a cool new planet. It's got an ocean. It's got rings. It's got crazy black rocks. It's got super green grass. It's like super desolate, but super kind of homey. Like I could see myself wanting to live there. That's where Kylo Ren's going to go and do his, uh, his space farming to get away from it all. I'm going to go number six. The fact that it just drops you right into the action where you have little Jin running through the field and she comes inside and they're like, he's here. And they're like, we're in, we know. And classic Star Wars, classic George Lucas dropping you right into a story that's already happening. All right. I have, while we're still there, number seven, the farm droid. One of the first little people we see is the beautiful droid on the farm doing his farm work who unfortunately is probably dead because the death troopers shot him his little antenna goes up he's like letting you know letting you know what you're in for with rogue one right right from the beginning i'm gonna go number eight bald saw guerrera on a little tv in a kitchen everything you ever dreamed of when you heard that forrest whitaker was gonna be in a star wars film him bald on a little almost black and white tv screen is what we all imagined i want in my kitchen like a little fake one that you just like turn on and it's just like a little still frame of bald Saw Gerrera. Yeah, come on, Hot Toys. Where's the Hot Toys Saw Gerrera action TV? Tom Spina, he can like recreate props from movies. So might need to send him an email. All right, number nine, Death Troopers. <laughs> and their amazing Death Trooper voice. I try not to think about when they showed up in Rebels. Hello, Death Trooper here. Where are you going? We better we stop those rebels. Death troopers, come on, follow me, gents. <laughs> Never been so angry in my whole life. If, that, if that's your last memory of death troopers, go back to Rogue One to hear the real deal death troopers. <laughs> Number 10, Krennic's awesome ship. It's a little bit of prequels. It's a little bit of like First Order almost. And a lot of bit of just right. Oh. Number 11, Jin's toys. We're still in the first like two minutes of the movie here. Jin's toys. You can see him a little bit in the movie. You can see him a lot of bit in the visual dictionary. But her little action figures and dolls are incredible. She's got everything. She's got like an OPC killer or something. It's, out, it's outrageous. I'm going to say number 12, Lyra Urso and Galen Urso. And I'm just a shout out to the book Catalyst which is not talked about enough. An amazing prequel to Rogue One. Time has held it up as one of the best Star Wars books I've ever read. Catalyst. Galen and Lyra Erso, their story. Awesome read. And Paga the Lesser's story. Take it over the edge of awesomeness. 
All right, number 13, I have Lyra's crystal necklace, her kyber crystal necklace she gives to little Jin. In a movie with no Jedis, it was pretty cool to get a kyber crystal and talk of the Jedis. Number 14, the whole conversation in the field. That's a broad one, but all of it. Krennic has longer, darker hair, and it's like wet. He's got an awesome cape thing on. The whole, uh, oh, it's Lyra back from the dead. It's a miracle. Yeah, his raincoat, which he gets to wear twice in the movie, which is so cool. Because usually it's like, oh, my God, they gave him a raincoat. And then you never see it again. But I think he's wearing it on Edu, isn't he? I think he is. Yeah, I think he is. I think he just wears it all the time because he doesn't like to get wet and he's always spilling things. It's actually plastic. So stuff just rolls right off of it. It's like a lobster bib. It's got a little pocket in the front to catch, you know, any big chunks of food that fall. <laughs> All right. Number 15, I have the secret hideout that they uh, hollowed out a little bunker with a fake rock trapdoor on the top for a uh, little gin to hide in. They had they had it all worked out. But, you know, they also that goes back to Catalyst, too. You learn that they had gone decades of surviving and being on the run. Number 16, when the hatch opens up. Surprise, surprise, it's Saw Gerrera. Come, watch out, watch out, come. And he's still bald and still beautiful. Come, come. I will say number 17, right after that, I like the Rogue One logo. That was, I had that written down too. The title on the screen. Some people don't like the font. I think it's perfect. It's just Star Wars enough and just different enough that you know you're in for something a little different. Big and bold on the screen. Chicano score, just killing it. Number 18, Jin is in jail and her little sleeping buddy. I think number 18 is just a shout out to her sleeping buddy in there. The tentacle face lady. Yeah. What were their conversations like? Aren't there uh, lines about her in the novel about how she's thinking about killing Jin or doing something bad to Jin? Probably. But I like to think that they were just like buddies and they would just hang out and like chat and like shoot the breeze, you know. She would braid Jin's hair and Jin would braid her tentacles. Tell each other's stories. Number 19, the turbo tank. Oh, the turbo tank. From Revenge of the Sith. It's when you knew you were in for something special. If you blink, you might miss it. But it's like, holy cow, it's the big Joe Johnston ADAT tank from Revenge of the Sith. It's a gift. We didn't know we wanted, but we got it. It was them telling us loud and clear, hey, all you prequel lovers, all you Revenge of the Sith fans. We got your back. Driving home that this is after three and just before four. It's like, it's a cool callback to the other movies. And it also kind of set in the, set in the time and set in the, set in the mood. Number 20, when we go to the ring of Kafreen, bootleg Pablo Hidalgo. <laughs> He's got news from Jeddah. He's got to get back to his ship. A cut with my arm. Where is the action figure of that guy? With his arm in a sling. Yep. Where's the Black Series? Where's the Hot Toys? Where's the Sideshow statue? You know you know who's working on that figure? SH Fig Arts. That's who's working on it. They're going to have it. He's going to be super poseable. We'll all have to buy him. I'll never climb out of here, my arm! Oh, oh. All right, for number 21, I'm going to jump back a little bit because I got to mention the two Stormtroopers in the Turbo Tank. I think have the goofiest Stormtrooper voices in a Star Wars movie. 
and it fits in perfectly with Rogue One, where everybody has a crazy accent, and even the stormtroopers all have crazy little accents. What now? I don't know. Must be another pickup. I thought we had everybody. And the two stormtroopers don't even have the same accent. They each have their own little voice, so that's Rogue One. For number 22, I'm going to say when we first go to Jeddah, and again, Guacamole's music is killing it. It gets real weird. It gets kind of Crocodile Dundee for a little bit. Well, and it also has the V'ger sound from Star Trek motion picture, pretty much. Maybe it was the ultimate crossover. Maybe V'ger was there. You know, we got to merge with the creator. I don't know. It's hanging out with Saw. Saw's down with all that V'ger stuff. He's got the V'ger satellite. He knows what's up. Number 23. I know we pass this part in the movie, and I know we talk about it all the time, but we still got to mention my gloves. It never gets old. I never get tired of it. Yeah, of course. My gloves. <laughs> I wish there was a 12-inch Cassian figure that just said my gloves every time you touched his hands or something, but it's, it's got to be on the list. So, yeah, 23 is my gloves. I feel ashamed I've never paid attention to this, but did did like Hot Toys or Sideshow make like a Cassian figure that came with gloves that could come on and off his hands? They never made them. I don't think they made Krennic, Cassian, or Bays because they made Chirrut, they made Jin, they made K2, they made Death Troopers. Hopefully the Cassian uh, spy show fixes that. Just think there might be like a little kid Cassian and or dress up set that comes with his gloves. So the kids can be on the playground like, Losing their gloves. It's going to be amazing. I, I bet you the casting show will be called My Gloves. The casting Andor story. Moving on, number 24. We're going. I'm going back to Jeddah. The giant downed Jedi statue in the sand on Jeddah. And the fact that it has a beard. Number 25. I'm going to jump to Yavin. Love the Yavin base and the big giant green on glass screens. Bringing those back and putting them huge behind Mon Mothma and all over the place. Can't get enough of the Yavin green screens. Number 26, I'm still on Jeddah, where rapid fire we see Moroff, two tubes, and some random dude in a black biker scout helmet. <laughs> who, who may or may not be Ezra Bridger. I hope so. Yeah, pretty much every every second on Jeddah is, is a gold mine. And I will follow you up with number 27 with, we saw them in the maps book. We've seen them in other places, but if you look really close in the background, there is the giant giraffe leg lizard thing that may have a stormtrooper riding it in the background. I still love them. Just wait till you see the hologram of Bodhi Rook and then look to the upper left of the screen and you will see one for like half a second. For number 28, I'm going back to Yavin and the fact that one of the first things we see on Yavin after they walk through like the little ship garage is just dudes turning knobs. Just straight up New Hope, THX 1138, a bunch of dudes sitting at a counter just turning knobs. Turning up the, the outrageous, turning it up to, to 11. I remember in the theater watching Rogue One, and I was just like, oh, thank you for just a shot of the dudes turning knobs on Yavin. All right, 29, the return of Mon Mothma who is now potentially more the real Mon Mothma than the real Mon Mothma, because she's been in Sith deleted scenes, Rogue One, and she was still doing the voice in Rebels, right? I would bet that's not the last we're going to see of 
the new real Mothma. Still want to know if her first name is Mon. Hey, Mon. Hey, Mon. Number 30. I'm on Yavin, and I'm going to say that rapid fire, we see Dodana, and we get our first introduction to Merrick. He's not in the movie a lot, but he makes every second count. And maybe Merrick will be back in the Cassian show. Please. Blue Squadron all the way, Merrick. I've never stopped thinking about Merrick every day. And we never got a Merrick action figure, right? There's just the Lego that comes with the calendar or whatever, right? Yeah, we didn't get anything. Yeah, where is the the Blue Squadron box set with just all the Blue Squadron guys? What's going on? I don't think we even got like a Funko Pop of Merrick. I would even buy that. There's Funko Pops for everything, but not a hero of Blue Squadron like Merrick. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Hero, hero of the Rebellion. We're going to get worked up here. We won't make it through the next 50. All right, number 31, staying on the Rebel base, the U-Wing. Who would have thought we would get a new ship? Who would have thought that it was going to be so cool and just kind of fit right in with all the old ships? Like, hell yeah. I guess they, it was just, it was, it's been there all along. Oh, that U-Wing. It's beautiful. Put it in a museum. They should have called it the I Love U-Wing. Just put one up on the wall in an art gallery. They should just name a whole section of the art gallery the U-Wing. And that's where they put the really sweet art. Number 32, the return of Bail Organa. Back in the saddle, like you didn't miss a beat. They tease you with the turbo tank being like, hey, prequels. And then out comes Jimmy freaking Smiths. I swear I saw somebody get up and run out of the theater. I saw two old ladies faint. And so it is. All right. You got to move on. All right. Number 33, Jetta. We have the Guardians of the Wills. And what? Does Chirrut start saying, may the force of others be with you, digging deep into old school Star Wars lore? I think when we did our um, original concepts episode, that was from like what, the second or third draft or the first draft or something of A New Hope. Just insanity. Just insanity. Number 34, jumping back in time on Jetta, the reveal of Saw Guerrera with hair this time. Oh. <sighs> Saw came and went too fast. Booty Rook. Look, boy, huh? At that point, he calls him Booty Rook. Booty. Booty. Saw is back. His hair is over the top. He's breathing oxygen out of a mask. He, t- he takes that hit off oxygen, and then right after that, buckle it. I remember the first time in the theater, I was like, what? What, 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 did, what did he say? I, I didn't know what he said until the third time. It was just like... What? This, this, movie, this movie's going too fast. I can't take it. Number 35, peeking out of a shadow, we have pretty much bone white Star Destroyers bringing back a New Hope style, super white Star Destroyers. And they look so cool and so tiny next to the Death Star, which is a cool thing from Gareth Edwards, who doesn't get enough love, I don't think, anymore of just so many cool shots of scale of tiny things next to big things. That's his bread and butter from monsters to Godzilla. That's what he does. Yeah. And we're big Gareth Edwards supporters around here. And the, the whole, like, who actually, you know, with Rogue One, people forget that he's still the person. So there may have been some story changes and things shot, but you can tell the shots that are Gareth Edwards shots. And it's a lot of the movie. Well, 36 on the same note, the Death Star laser 
going in. I mean, we just had Force Whitaker saying Booty Rook and saying Borg Gullet, and we just saw Star Destroyers, and they look amazing. And then it's like, oh my god, the, the Death Star laser is being lowered into the freaking Death Star. Things on the list of things you I never thought I would see that. I didn't even know I wanted to see that. And then once I saw it, I can't imagine living without seeing it. Well, that takes us to 37, which is ILM, Tarkin it to the next level. Tarkin lives. He's back. They tease you with his reflection in the mirror or in the window. And it's like, oh, my gosh, look, is that Tarkin? And you think they're going to cut away. And then, no, he turns around and it's completely crazy CG Peter Cushing keeping the Rogue One madness going. It's a wonder we we lived through that first showing of Rogue One at all. If, if somebody would have explained to us what happens in the first 20 minutes of Rogue One 10 years ago, we would have, might have had a heart attack then at just the someone describing it to us. Well, that's, I think, the thing we've talked about with Rogue One, too, is that it's a prequel original trilogy hybrid. Timeline-wise, it's in between them, and it's like the jam-packed of just amazing nonsense ridiculous crazy stuff every second mixed with original trilogy style it's like the perfect blend of uh everything you love about star wars number 38 when krennic is walking in to talk to tarkin he's with that one imperial dude and the one imperial dude when they start getting close to tarkin you can just kind of see him go like oh god and he like puts his head down he's like nervous about going to talk to tarkin which i don't blame him yeah i would be Oh, man, you can't win any kind of conversation with Tarkin. All right, 39. After all the Death Star nonsense, we go back to the prequels and we flash back to just post-Revenge of the Sith, hanging out on Coruscant flashback with Galen Erso in his fancy uniform and Krennic drinking booze, getting ready to party uh, in, uh, I guess, Galen's the Erso apartment on Coruscant. Coruscant out the window. I didn't even notice it until about the third or fourth time I watched it. Well, I noticed it, but I couldn't even I couldn't even allow myself to look at it. Yeah. Well, it was almost like no, they're not good. They're not going to do that. We can't go back to Coruscant. It's crazy. People aren't ready for that. Number forty. Jump back a little bit. Michael Guacamole's Imperial March. I can't get enough for the Rogue One score for him doing it in a month. It holds up. It's. I think it's not a it's not John Williams, but it's it's Star Wars through and through. There's never a minute where it's it doesn't feel like I'm watching a Star Wars movie and listening to a Star Wars movie. I want him to come back so bad. We'll see. Forty one back on Jeddah, the shot of the Ewing landing in front of the sun where it kind of like flies behind the rocks and lands in the little, little space between the rocks with the sun. It's beautiful. The thing that rogue one has that is kind of silly, but it's the kind of star Wars stuff I like, which is just shots of spaceships taking off and landing. I like that stuff. And rogue one didn't hold back. And that was one of the, one of the cool ones. Number 42. I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but I've, Always been a big fan of parts in Star Wars movies where we have binocular views. We see what's going on through binoculars. I think Rogue One has the most binocular views of any Star Wars movie ever. When we're on Jeddah and when uh, Jin and Cassian are laying down, spying on Jeddah City, we get our first binocular view of the film. 
And it's a really good one. It's a good point. Yeah, Rogue One doesn't hold back on binoculars. No, there's a, so many binocular views, and we'll cover them as, as we go forward. But So 43, staying with pretty much that same scene, the Star Destroyer just hovering ominously over Jetta City. Something, it's like fan art come to life in a way. It's like we never really saw that in official film and it was just it's cool to see star destroyers just kind of floating in the atmosphere 44 and this is a big one 44 for the boar our boy boar gullet <laughs> boar gullet will know the truth <laughs> yes one tends to lose one's mind oh boar gullet yeah we had no idea that boar gullet was going to be in the movie no one, no one warned anyone that there was anything remotely like Borgullet in the movie. We had already seen a Death Star laser being lowered in. We've seen a lot of crazy stuff. We saw a turbo tank, Bail Organa. But Borgullet was the moment where I sat up a little bit in my seat. It was, it was very much like when we saw Master Code Breaker in The Last Jedi. Like, oh, 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 it's this kind of movie. To this day, I can't turn away. You got to watch Borgullet. You can't get enough Borgullet. I can't stop thinking about Borgullet. Yeah. I've I have lost my mind. His tentacles have touched me on the head, and I, all I can think about is Borgullet when I close my eyes at night. <laughs> Forty-five is the stormtrooper that drives the tanks. Cool helmet, which I think is the helmet that George Lucas thought was cool, so they put it in the movie. She can't beat that. I'm gonna go forty-six. Just Jetta City life. You got a Death Star droid talking. You got a droid entertaining kids. That's our buddy details. When we go back to the Blast Points Holiday Special, he'll tell you what that guy wants for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Dr. Havesian and Walrus Man are just hanging out on Jetta City. Like, Jetta City's the place to be. You can get, like, live octopus tentacle things to eat. There's there's a Bodhi Rook hologram head. There's a lot going on in Jetta City. Also, a shout out to, like you said earlier, there's the Stormtrooper riding a giant lizard. The same shot, there's also just a probe droid going around. All right, 47. I have the little alien guy who I can't remember his name, who I think Warwick Davis played, right? Yeah. He should have been the star of his own Disney streaming show. I guess there's still a chance for him to get his own show. Well, if they brought back Warwick Davis's character from Phantom Menace for Solo, that little guy could come back in something. Who knows? Maybe he's in The Mandalorian. Maybe he's still around. We don't know how long those little guys live. A thousand years. <laughs> Number 48, Chirrut's line, the strongest stars have hearts of Kyber. Mm. Every time I hear it, and especially the first time I hear it, I was like, oh, 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 you're you're just getting over of May the Force of Others Be With You. And then he starts, yeah, sweet talking her with the hearts of Kyber. You're making me think about Ray and Luke Skywalker and all kinds of crazy stuff right now. All right. 49, sticking with Cheer It. We get blind Cheer It fighting a bunch of stormtroopers with a stick. Who would have thought we would have got a straight up martial arts scene in a Star Wars movie? And with Donnie Yen, of all people, so good. The Yip Man himself, so good. Number 50, I'm going to go with the part where Jin is running through the battle and she shoots a stormtrooper in the leg without even looking. Actually, I think she shoots him in the stomach even. Yeah, Jin's tearing it up in that scene. It's like her line, it's not so hard if you don't look up. That's the same philosophy with shooting stormtroopers. Don't look up, just shoot them. Right. Well, for 51, while we're on Jin 
shooting people in the stomach. Jin whipping out her little stick and just beating people with a stick not too long after that. It's her beating stick. At number 52, ATST's coming in. Yeah, ATST's walking down the street. Little some Robocop flashbacks. Make you rip the armrests out of the seat in the movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> it's you turn into George Animal Steel and you rip the back off your seat and start eating the foam. <laughs> It's ATSTs. All right, fifty-three is the main man, Beezer Fortuna. Oh, Beezer! Saw's gang is just the best. The best people. He's got like twenty Nick Nolte's in there. But yeah, Beezer Fortuna turning around and looking at Jin coming in. Number fifty-four. The Star Destroyer is leaving Jetta City. We get another Death Star droid, and he says something like. Yes, and he's really close to the camera, and he's really shiny. He's really beautiful. It's like Valentine's Day, just for a few seconds. Will you be my Valentine Death Star droid? Yes. Yes, I will. I brought you roses. All right, 55 is hologram Galen Erso. Mm. I can't get enough of that scene. It's hardcore drama. Felicity Jones is, like, crying. She's getting into it. And then they just keep cutting to Galen Erso's hologram. And he's just talking about his little girl. And it's just, it's so good. So good. Number 56, the classic, the Jin and Saw conversation. Did you come here to kill me on my birthday? Did you come to give me a cake? My birthday of all days. I watched that scene today with no sound on. And Forrest Whitaker's face is incredible. When you're not distracted by the voice, it just his face is a, is amazing for that whole. Go watch it with no sound. It's like a silent film. It's like a silent film that's yelling at you with silence. All right, fifty seven. The explosion from the Death Star laser shooting Jetta that flies all the way up into space. That there's just smoke in in fire in space because it's such a big explosion. Fifty eight. The fact that they made a point to leave in the Death Star laser bass drop. <laughs> the best sound ever in any Star Wars movie ever, the bass drop. That's what the Death Star sounds like. Gotta drop the bass. 59, Death Star eclipse shot. It's kind of cheesy, but it's kind of really awesome, too, that the Death Star just happens to be at the right distance to eclipse out the sun just to be extra mean and evil before they blow the crap out of Jetta City. It's pretty, I remember seeing that in the trailer. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty heavy duty. Number 60, Tarkin saying Edu. He was dispatched from the installation on Edu. On Edu. Edu. On Edu. Uh, can't get enough of Tarkin saying Edu. It's a good one. I didn't think about that. Yeah, it's not every day you hear Tarkin uh, say Edu. On Edu. Oh, all right. 61. They head to Edu. It's dark. It's rainy. And we get to see X-Wings flying around and shooting things in the rain with headlights on. When those X-Wings come in, Giacano's music again. Killing it. Sixty-two. I'm going to say Baze's line. He has the face of a friend. <laughs> this is the, the part of the movie when you really realize how much you love Baze, Melbus, and that he just keeps getting better and better. Every line, solid gold. Does he look like the killer? No. He has the face of a friend. I remember sitting in the theater being like, he really does. That Cassie Nandor. 
It's the first thing I thought. That's a, that's a friend face. Why can't we get a Cassian Andor t-shirt with the picture of his face that above it says the face of a friend? 63, the blind man Chirrut shooting a TIE fighter with his bow and arrow stick thing after he I, after he tastes the wind, right? He tastes the air. I'm still saying it's a force gulp. <laughs> yeah, the force gulp. I forgot about that. Yeah. He gulps the air to get the force into him. He's tasting the midichlorians in the atmosphere. 64, I'm going to go with a tie between all the Death Star scientist guys, just a collection of old dudes. And when Cassian is looking at the Death Star scientist guys, we get another binocular view. Oh, yeah. It's like a one-two punch. Where is the the box set of all the scientist dudes in their little robes? In the, in the old days, I'd go to Toys R Us and there would be a box with all of those guys. And it would be $50 and everybody would buy it. There better be at Celebration Chicago cosplay group of old dudes as the Death Star scientists wearing robes. I want to go up to them and be like, oh, consider it a group effort. 65. I don't know how. I actually forgot about this part until I was watching the movie again. Until I got to that part, I was like, oh, yeah. How did I forget about this? Krennic, in his impatience, flies his sweet ship to Mustafar. And we get Mustafar and Vader's castle on the big screen. I feel like we could top out at 100 just going beat by beat through this Mustafar stuff. Well, it might, might be the next 10. Oh, all right. Well, I'll say 66. The creepy dude. It's another tie. The creepy dude that comes in. Director Krennic to see you. And then he lowers his head because you don't make eye contact with the Dark Lord of the Sith. And the fact that hanging out, just chilling in the corners of Vader's little sleeping room are two royal guards. Palpatine just loaned out some royal guards to watch him while he takes a nap in his bath, his bathtub. I still remember when the teaser trailer came out and there was the shot of the Bakta tank and the royal guards. And it messed with my head for six months trying to figure out who was in the tank who is good enough that palpatine's gonna send royal guards to guard them i think you can go back and listen to our uh, first rogue one teaser episode from like two and a half years ago i think we spend a good 45 minutes wondering that very question all right 67 yeah hanging out on mustafar vader in the tank bakta vader it's like where we are are they gonna show him in the tank are we gonna see him in the tank yes Yes, with no arms and no legs. And Hayden Christensen's face, but they cut away just in time. Every time I watch that part, I'm like, God, that's Anakin's ear. That's little Annie. Little Annie! Taking a bath! Not doing too good, eh? I got some deadbeats that owe me money. Maybe you can head there. All right. 68, when Vader comes down that hallway and Krennic says, Lord Vader. (laughs) Just how scared Krennic is. Through that whole interaction. Just imagine you're on a lava planet on a platform with no rails and you got this giant seven foot robot man talking to you. Oh, that's that Krennic. He doesn't let that. He doesn't let down. He's a go getter. So I'm still in charge. (laughs) That goes right into 69. I know people don't like it, but I like the Vader joke, the Krennic joke. It rhymes. It's funny. It's silly. If you're going to have Vader, you're going to have Krennic, let him choke him. It's a little sign that little Annie is still in there. He's still making puns. Go back and watch the Attack of the Clones. He's, he's Anakin Smooth Talker. He's got a silver tongue. He knows what's going on. Yeah, it's still there. His tongue is fresh from his Bakta bath, and it's sharp. 
Number 70, the Rebel Alliance meeting. We see Merrick again. You got Bale again. But this time we're introduced to Radis and Bistan. And the two dudes with beards arguing about stuff. Bootleg John Turturro looking guy. Well, that goes to right into 71, which is, what is she proposing? Just let the girl speak. Every moment you waste is another step closer to the ashes of Jeddah. What is she proposing? The very best. Everyone, even people in the movie are so excited. They're just yelling stuff out because they're like, Where, I'm in Rogue One. I just got to yell something out. What is she proposing? Where's the contact chip with those on it? 72. Speaking of just letting Jin speak, Jin's whole speech. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? What chance do we have? The question is what choice? Run, hide, plead for mercy, scatter your forces. You give way to an enemy this evil with this much power, and you condemn the galaxy to an eternity of submission. The time to fight is now. That was that's the moment. Set the ball rolling. If she wouldn't have given that speech at that very moment, Star Wars might never have happened. They went from rebel, the rebel club, to the rebel alliance. Mm-hmm. Seventy-three. I don't know if I remember the words exactly, but Mon Mothma saying, what about your friend, the Jedi? To Bale. I, in the theater, people gasping. <gasps> I, I know who he's talking about. He's talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Bale, I would trust her with my life. Like, oh my God, he's talking about Leia! Yeah. Princess Leia! Fist bumping old ladies next to you. Yes. 74, when they're on the actual Rogue One stolen ship. And the guy in the intercom, Rogue One? There is no Rogue One. That guy's ridiculous. I don't think he works there anymore. I think he got let go. Well, 75 is that shuttle. It's a cool new design. When Rogue One was announced, I assumed it was just going to be all the ships that we already knew. But the fact that we got so much new stuff in Rogue One was just icing on a del- delicious cake. And we got a lot. We are really spoiled with new ships in Rogue One. 76 Jin's speech on the ship. Jin's whole may the force be with us. Yeah, and Chirrut's banging a stick. Uh, all right, 77 disguises. I was ready for the disguises because they were in the very very first teaser, her in her little disguise, but it's always fun to see people in their disguises. Trying to be the bad guys. I wonder if it'll happen in episode nine. 78, when Krennic lands on Scarif. And again, Michael Guacamole's score is absolutely killing it. It's out of control at that moment. There's, no, there's not a dull moment in that score. 79, did we call out... Krennic's cape earlier. Early on, we talked about his raincoat cape. 79, number 79 is his just everyday cape. Just flowing right into our hearts. Number 80, Bay's calling Jin little sister. So sweet. He's a sweetie. He's a buddy. 81, Bistan, the monkey, shooting a Gatling gun out of the side of a U-wing and giggling or making monkey noises or both, whatever, whatever he's doing. Oh, Bistan. We hardly knew you. I hope he's the star in the Cassie and Andor show. He's the star of my heart. 82, the monorail train that goes through the forest from the landing pad to the Scarif Tower. 
I really like that monorail train. Star Wars trains. That's that's what the standalones are all about. The Boba Fett movie was going to be about how he was a conductor on a train, which is actually not not too far off because one of the best Clone Wars Boba Fett episodes is the episode where they were on the train and they were defending it from the people riding giant bugs. Well, it's, it's all tied together. 83, Pow, the lizard man, just yelling, shooting his gun and yelling. Pow, we hardly knew you. 84, as they're sneaking through the inside of Scarif Tower, we get another Death Star droid. They're everywhere. It's a sign of quality. At least three shots of Death Star droids. Number 85. I think it's called the Reaper TIE Fighter, right? The Special Forces TIE Fighter that the Death Troopers fly around? God, those things are good. With the cool wings for flying in the atmosphere. But yeah, another brand new ship design that we, we didn't deserve, but we got it. Is that another Doug Chang one, too? I'm sure it is. Probably. He worked on it somewhat, at least. But yeah, super cool. 86 is the big battle on Scarif is about to begin. We get another binocular view. Got to give a shout out to binocular views. 87, the cool shot where I think they they blow up an ATTE or whatever the ADATs are called in this. But they blow up the ADAT and then like they all get in formation and the, X, and the wings pop out on the wing and it like flies up into the sky oh god that whole shot oh beautiful dreams coming true 88 when credit goes into the room and the guy says what brings you to scarif gain an air so i never get tired of krennic oh never krennic is so good 89 k2so finally gets his blaster he just wanted a blaster he finally gets one at the end he gets one I always love K two uh, shooting a stormtrooper without looking too. Well, he's got a he's got to out Jin Jin. Number ninety, the whole part with the guy running, Senator, Senator, and Merrick, stop right there, Private. Yeah. You can't get too close to Mon Mothma. But when you got Radis news, you got to run. Oh yeah, and at the end of that scene, Mon Mothma's smile. Radis will make anybody smile. The coldest hearts will melt at that. Sound of Radis's name. It makes me smile. 91. I can't remember what happens, but there's that like action reaction shot of Radis where he kind of gets like, the sh- does the ship get hit or whatever? And he kind of like shakes a little bit, makes a goofy face. 92. Now we're on the space battle. Just the part when the X-Wing point of view of coming out of hyperspace. Oh, God. And the little droid just turning his head. You get that. And then right after that, you, you get the shot of... Radis in his Return of the Jedi swivel chair, just hitting you over the head with Star Wars, just slapping you around with a glove that says Star Wars. Yeah, I think we could probably do the Rogue 100 just from the Battle of Scarif. I'm going to throw into 92 also, Gold Leader and Red Leader, because that whole sequence is just tossing you around. Here's Rogue One. It's coming along. Oh, we know what it is. It's the crawl. We know what's going to happen. Oh, is there going to be a space battle? Okay. Oh, there's a space battle. Cool. Wait, Red Leader and Gold Leader are there? And it's really them? We didn't know we were going to see that. And it was kind of one of those things where you didn't even know, like after the first time, it was like, did I really see that? Did that really happen? Or am I just imagining that? Well, at that point in watching Rogue One, you're so delirious. <laughs> yeah, you kind of are. You're just in a, in a daze. Ninety-three X-wings racing to get 
through the shield and the shield closes and they just crash into a bunch of pieces on the surface of the shield. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, that whole space battle. Just those long, long shots of just following X-Wings. Flying in and out of the little space station things. The little Imperial crew looking out the window. Oh, all right. 94, when the guy comes up to Krennic and he says there's been unauthorized access at the data vault. And Krennic, what? Yes. This Krennic's horrible, no good, very bad day just reached a whole new level of bad. It's like it was bad enough that Galen Erso leaked some info and Tarkin found out and it just keeps getting worse. 95, the hammerhead. It's a little ship ramming a big ship into another ship. Ship's crashing together, crumbling into a million pieces. This movie just repeatedly beating you in the face with amazing things you never thought you would see. It's just so good. I'd like to add on to that, the captain of the Hammerhead Corvette. Like People are out there spending $500 on those Columbia Empire Strikes Back crew jackets. But if anyone ever made that really nice kind of cream color Hammerhead Corvette captain jacket, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that one. You could get married in that. It's your Sunday best. Number 96, Y-Wings drop an ion torpedo bomb on the surface of a Star Destroyer. Just Y-Wings just doing a bombing run on the big screen in a movie theater. The only thing I could have made that cooler would have been a couple Y-Wings with the Clone Wars armor still on them or something. But man, I love, can't get enough Y-Wings. Do you think in Episode Nine we'll see the Resistance version of a Y-Wing? Leia's allies out in the Outer Rim? At this point, yeah, I kind of hope so. If they're going to go, they're going all in and re repurposing the old ships, that it would be cool to see. We got an A-Wing, we got an X-Wing, yeah. Give us give us a Y-Wing and a B-Wing. But I guess we got the bombers that were kind of like B-Wing, so yeah, we need Y-Wings. And if we get a K-Wing and an L-Wing and an O-Wing, they can fly around and spell out Kylo. Just, just to distract him. <laughs> That's my name, don't wear it out. Sticking with the battle, Star Destro- Vader Star Destroyer coming out of hyperspace as people are trying to escape, and the, uh, the transport ship just crashes into the side of it and explodes. Uh, I don't know if I've ever gasped as loud in a theater as that scene the first time. Actually, the first like five times, every time it would happen, I would still forget about being like, <gasps> oh my. Uh. 98. When the white Mon Calamari says, Admiral, we have the plans. She did it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I just love that one. 99 has got to be Vader showing up. I, I get the, the complaints that it kind of doesn't maybe have anything to do with the rest of the movie. Nobody cares because it's awesome. We get horror mover Vader just killing everybody, stabbing people without looking throwing guys on the ceiling. Giacchino knocking the music out of the park again with the slow-mo Imperial March thing. I was thinking about that with people saying that it doesn't belong with the rest of it. And I think like when, with that Galaxy Adventures cartoon that came out recently that recreated that scene, the Vader in the hallway scene... I don't know. I think it it should be in the movie because it makes even more the threat that th- these plans have to be gotten to safety even more 
important. The fact that those plans made it out of that hallway with Darth Vader Terminator coming down the hallway, you know, like is a miracle. The movie doesn't have a happy ending, so why not have everything that can go wrong go wrong? And everything that can go wrong for Krennic goes wrong, and everything goes wrong at the end for the Rebels, but they still they get the plans out, they complete their mission, but you, you get an idea of what the Rebels are up against with Vader and the Death Star by the end of Rogue One, which it's kind of the point. I'm going to go to close it out for number 100. It's a tie, but it's a tie with two things that kind of go together. The final scene with Jin and Cassian on the beach, sharing that final moment, and then Leia's line of hope. Like we, like you were just saying, it's that final scene with Jin and Cassian is still very hopeful. They know that what they did is they made a difference. Just the fact that the plans get to Leia and she says, this is hope and don't need to tell everybody the next movie is a new hope. And those plans get to that little farm boy on Tatooine. Well, and it's kind of like they're fine. They, up to this point, they were always doing, they were doing things that other people wanted and they're now making a difference, but doing it because they want to, not because they have to, or someone's telling them to, like they wanted to go to Scarif and they wanted to get those plans and they wanted to, to help people. And they did. you served my father in the Clone Wars. Now he begs you to help him in his struggle against the Empire. I regret that I am unable to present my father's request to you in person, but my ship has fallen under attack and I'm afraid my mission to bring you to Alderaan has failed. I have placed information vital to the survival of the Rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. My father will know how to retrieve it. You must see this droid safely delivered to him on Alderaan. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. I got to do one honorable mention that we didn't make it on the list just because it's it's too cool not to. And just Darth Vader standing in space. I never thought I would see Darth Vader just standing in, an, in front of an open door in space, just looking grumpy. And we got to see that. I don't know. Do you have like one honorable mention you want to that we didn't get to? I'm going to go the as the explosions are going off on Scarif. Krennic's face as he's looking out the window. Seriously, there are so many more. We honorable mention. I think we could do like another hundred. We could have did a rogue one times two hundred, three hundred. It's this movie is packed full of just cool stuff. Let us know your favorite rogue one moments. Send it to us on Twitter. If you're in the Blast Point Super Chill group, post your favorite rogue one moments on there and. Let's keep the party going with this, uh, the Rogue 100, for the Rogue One two-year anniversary. It's really George's idea. In fact, one of the first things he sat down and talked to me about was not only picking up the saga again, which he never envisioned he would do, but was ready to do. But he also was really interested in exploring all the stories that might exist inside the universe. We've talked about Zero Dark Thirty saving Private Ryan, saving Private Ryan Blackhawk down. You're not kidding about this being a war picture, are you? 
No. <laughs> it's called Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. All right, iTunes reviews. You've heard us say it before. Once you're done listening, if you listen on something, Apple or something or other, head over to iTunes, write a little something nice so we can read your review on an upcoming show. And check us out on BlastPointsPodcast.com, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you sign up for the Blast Point Super Chill group so you can post and see all the fun from all the other Blast Points fans. Let us know your yeah your Rogue One your favorite bits. What's your Rogue One Hundred? <laughs> what are your your Rogue One chunky bits? So we are taking the next couple weeks off with Christmas and New Year's, but we will be back in 2019. Next new episode will be January eighth. You can put it on your calendar. Something to look forward to. And it's going to be a whole new year, and we're going to have some surprises for you. With some new stuff coming your way in 2019, so be on the lookout. Some new things. What does it mean? I don't know. It's it's the mystery box. (laughs) There'll be some surprises, so hang in there and enjoy the holidays, and hopefully everybody can take a break before 2019 shakes us into unconsciousness with the amount of new stuff coming our way in the Star Wars land. We're heading into crazy town in 2019, so get ready. But thank you, everyone out there for listening. Thank you for listening all year round, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. Be with all.